With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, back with uh, Iowa football predictions for 2018. Going to do games 5 through 8 today at Minnesota, uh, at Indiana, home against Maryland, and then at Penn State. Iowa has a bye between game four at home against Wisconsin before embarking on this four-game stretch that I just listed off. We'll talk about those in a second. But first, what do college football Saturdays, a hot grill? But first, what do college football Saturdays and a hot grill have in common? That's a classic tailgate party. That's what stand out from the crowd every Saturday with a different kind of fan apparel from the tailgate clothing company in Iowa tradition since 1997. Plus, you can make it personal at the in-store print shop. Tailgate offers free customization with any purchase. That's right. Totally free. So what are you waiting for? If you're in the Des Moines area, get out and see them on Friday, August 3rd at their grand opening at the Jordan Creek Town Center Mall. All right, let's dive in here and uh, talk about Iowa's football games, game five through eight on their schedule. I have them starting out at 3-1, and one, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast. You can listen to that as well at HN Podcast. I'm going to pull up uh, some of my notes I've written, another page of notes, so probably another 20-25 to 25 minute podcast coming at you here uh, right now. Let's start with Minnesota. Again, Iowa had a bye following, has a bye following their game against Wisconsin, and then they go up and take on the Gophers of Minnesota. Minnesota last year and the first year of P.J. Fleck wasn't a very good team. They were not a good passing team at all. They, they got horrible play out of their quarterback last year. More than one quarterback as a team, they completed just 47.2% of their passes for 126 passing yards per game last year. Just horrible. Put too much pressure uh, on their running game. And and, uh, Rodney Smith is a very good runner, had nearly 1,000 yards last year out of season. I think they lost Shannon Brooks to an injury. And he was their number two guy. They were looking for a nice running back duo, but won't have that uh, at least as far as Shannon Brooks is concerned. But quarterback, it all starts and ends right there with regards to how high a trajectory you can have, especially a program like Minnesota that is trying to rebuild. Um, well, I should say well, they win eight or nine games the, the year before P.J. Fleck came. They're trying to remold themselves into whatever identity P.J. Fleck is looking to create for them. I still think it's going to be challenged and rather difficult for it to work the way that he wants it to or to the level that Minnesota felt it could with him, but that remains to be seen. We shall see. But quarterback play this year, you know, they brought in Juco Victor Viramontes in the offseason, a definite a dual threat guy, a guy that could hurt you with his legs and his arm, one of the top, if not the top junior college quarterbacks in the country. However, a lot of programs want to, to see Victor Viramontes play linebacker for them. After going to Minnesota, 
enrolling uh, for the spring semester, going through spring football. Viramontes leaves the Minnesota Golden Gophers program to return to JUCO to this year play linebacker. So that's a big blow for Minnesota. What are they looking at? Well, they're looking at either likely a redshirt freshman quarterback or a true freshman quarterback for this year. And that's not to say that, I mean, Nate, uh, Nathan Stanley is, well, I guess he's, he's been around a little bit, but that's not what you want to have. It's not what you want to have rebuilding. You'd like to have a little more leadership at quarterback, and I think they're going to struggle. I think they got a solid, a solid enough offensive line. They certainly have a great running back in Smith, who last year getting nearly 1,000 yards with that level of paltry play from your quarterback is certainly a testament to him. But I think they're in struggle. Defense, you know, they, they gave up 23 points a game last year. They returned seven starters. Um, but the, can they get back that juice that they had two years ago when they had 37 sacks in 2016? They had 23 last year. I think the 2016 sack total was a bit of an oddity when you look at their historic totals in, in the previous three, four, five years. The, the 37 is definitely an outlier on the high end. But to me, it comes down to quarterback, and I see this as an Iowa win. It may not be pretty, but I think it's a win nonetheless, and, and I am much much rather see fans make that trip up there uh, in early October than, than late November from a, a weather standpoint. Next up, a game at Indiana. This one concerns me. This one absolutely worries me, not because I think Indiana is a great football team, but they – have a very good offensive line. They return all five starters. They have 126 returning offensive line starts, one of the highest numbers in all of college football. Uh, and they played well at times last year. You know, quarterback, again, we talk about quarterback with a lot of these teams. Last year, you know, Tom Allen, their new coach, uh, benched uh, Lego, or Lego rather, and Peyton Ramsey came in and played. He completed nearly 66% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions, a bit of a dual-threat quarterback. But they also bring in a grad transfer this year from Arizona in Brandon Dawkins, who has 14 career starts. Now, Allen would prefer to have a quarterback that can do some damage with his legs. I'm not as familiar with Dawkins as, as Dace would be. But they're going to have some experience, at least, at the quarterback position. Phil Steele projecting Brandon Dawkins, the grad transfer, to be their starter. You know, whomever under, is under center, when you have an offensive line that returns all five of your starters and that many career starts, all that experience, chances are he's going to probably look pretty good as long as he just doesn't barf all over himself and spit the bit throwing the ball over all across the field. And, you know, Indiana, top two rushers are also back. Now, the defensive line loses three starters. They play a 4-2-5. Right out of the chute, that's something that I think Iowa will, will like to see, especially with the some of the power packages or, or the, um, the flexible formations. And we discussed that yesterday where Iowa could go two, three tight. I expect them to be in two tight ends a lot because Iowa's tight ends are – you know, and T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Noah Fant is not your prototypical tight end. Noah Fant can outrun some receivers in this conference. So I would expect to see Hawkinson and Fant on the field in tandem a lot, which gives Iowa a lot of position flexibility. And if a team's going to run a 4-2-5 at you, a little bit of a back-end umbrella, 
Whew. I don't know. I mean, there's th- you can stunt your way into making a four two five. You know, have a you know, putting seven eight in the box. That's fine. An Iowa quarterback until Iowa can until that quarterback can consistently beat a team who wants to put eight in the box. That Iowa quarterback's going to see eight in the box. And Iowa all too often doesn't make teams pay for those heavy looks. They don't necessarily have the threats on the outside in the passing game to make teams pay. But will they this year? Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset. I mean, those guys look like they can play the part. We saw that that Amir Smith-Marset can take a top off a defense. The one thing about Brandon Smith that he's most famous for right now is a fumble, unfortunately. But he certainly looks the part. You know, a big 6'3", 6'4", receiver out there, 215, 220 pounds. Looks like he's carved out of granite. He looks the part. He he is about as impressive looking physically at receiver as Iowa has had at receiver maybe since Mo Brown. Hey, maybe I'm forgetting somebody along the way, but man, Brandon Smith. And he has enormous hands, which also helps. So... A four two. I think that there's different ways for Iowa to explain it, but this is sleepy Bloomington we're talking about, a place that just has no atmosphere whatsoever. I remember talking to Chuck Hartley multiple times back in the day when I had him as my Monday morning quarterback guest, and whenever we talk about Iowa playing at Indiana, he would always refer to it as sleepy Bloomington. You go there. The the music before the games as you're warming up is echoing off the empty seats all throughout the stadium just entirely lacking in atmosphere. And that can almost lull you to sleep a little bit. There's there's really not any buzz that you're going to get coming out onto that field. So, <sighs> Iowa, listen, I'm not going to break any news here. Iowa oftentimes loses games in seasons they shouldn't lose, and then they win a game that you wouldn't expect them to win. I mean, last year, um, you know, the last year losing to to, to Purdue, you didn't expect that. But you certainly didn't expect them to beat Ohio State, and not in the fashion they did. 2016, they beat North Dakota State. Or they lost, rather, to North Dakota State. You never expect that. But then they came back. And they beat Michigan after getting poleaxed at Penn State. You lose one you don't expect. You win one you don't expect. In 2015, that didn't happen because Iowa won them all in the regular season. Uh, 2014, didn't expect to lose that game to Iowa State. But 2014, unfortunately, didn't have a win that you uh, that came through and and made you surprised so to speak so i could go on and back through but you all get you all get it is this that game for iowa this year that game that that they should win on paper but that they don't i'm, I'm worried about that one let me, let me come let me come back to that here in a second next up on iowa's schedule is a home game against maryland so many quarterback injuries last year for maryland kasim hill terrell pegrome uh, Slogger, I mean, they played, what, five players at quarterback last year because they were absolutely snake-bitten at that position with regards to injuries. No way can their luck be that bad this year. So, hey, they got some guys that got some experience at least last year. Won't be their first time taking snaps under center, but what will they be? Really don't know that either. Uh, Kasim Hill certainly looked dangerous the times that we did see him. 
Um, and you have to expect that they're going to have better play at quarterback this coming season than they did a year ago. A uh, pretty good running back duo. They bring back in Johnson and Harrison. Johnson averaged 6.4 yards per carry for 875 yards. Harrison, 4.5 yards per carry, 622 yards, 1,500 combined, each of them getting exactly 137 carries. So Johnson's you know, more of your big play back. So nice duo there at wide receiver. Thankfully for Maryland opponents, DJ Moore is gone. He of 1,003 receiving yards last year, but their numbers two and three receivers are back. As bad as they were at quarterback, or as, in, you know, I mean, bad, and it's not their fault due to injuries, but as challenged as they were at quarterback, DJ Moore had over 1,000 yards receiving last year. That, holy cow, that is surprising. Matt Canada, an offensive coordinator, he was the big buzz prior to the season, but you got to give him an incomplete grade because of all the challenges that they had at quarterback. I think they're going to be much better on defense than they were a year ago, bringing in three grad transfers uh, from Power 5 schools, Auburn, Illinois, and Florida State. Then again, is getting an Illinois grad transfer a good thing? You decide. I think Iowa's better than Indiana, and I think they're better than Maryland. But I just worry that one of these two spots might be that game that Iowa loses that you're not expecting them to lose. It's difficult to bring your A focus each and every game. And while you wouldn't think they'd lose the home game, I, I can see that there's a possibility there because there's still so much, many unknowns against Maryland. I'm going to say Iowa loses one game against Indiana or Maryland. I don't know which one. I feel very confident they're going to beat Minnesota. But I think they're going to lose one of these games to Indiana or Maryland. So there gives the second loss in the season. Now, Iowa travels next to Penn State. Penn State, along with Ohio State and Kinnick Stadium, I think are the three most difficult venues to play in in the Big Ten. Um, Madison, there's just a lot of great venues in the Big Ten, tough for road teams. But Penn State's one of those very difficult, very, very loud places to play. We all know that Trace McSorley returns. He is going to be uh, an early, you know, an early betting Vegas favorite for your Heisman Trophy predictions. Very good player. 28 touchdown passes last year. Can keep plays alive with his legs. He's gutty. He's gritty. Great competitor. But 18 of his 28 touchdown passes went to either wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton or tight end Mike Gesicki. Both those guys are gone, both of them, with nine touchdown receptions apiece last year. And Hamilton at the receiver position, definitely the stretch the field target for McSorley last year, had nearly 900 yards receiving. That's 18 of 28 touchdown receptions that Penn State had last year as a team gone in those two players. Now, that makes me think. My next point, Saquon Barkley is gone. Go to him real quick. Saquon Barkley last year had had three receiving touchdowns and 632 yards receiving. So 21 of your 28 touchdowns gone. We all know the type of threat that, that Saquon Barkley was in the receiving game. We all know the type of threat that he was in the rushing game. We all know the type of threat that he was in the kickoff return game. One of the most electrifying and best college football players I've ever seen in my life. 
in with Saquon Barkley, and he's gone. How does Penn State replace that? Yes, they have talent in the program. Yes, James Franklin has been recruiting at a very high level. Yes, 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 we know those things. So I'm not saying that Penn State's going to run a bunch of hacks out there, but you are not going to replace Saquon Barkley. It's difficult to replace a Mike Kosicki, a high-end drafted tight end, one of the top tight ends, draft-eligible tight ends in this last year's draft. It's difficult to replace uh, a nine-touchdown receiving wide receiver who had 900 yards. Hamilton probably is the, the easier of the three to replace. Saquon Barkley, number one, and then Gasecki number two. You lose your top six tacklers. Lose your top six tacklers, including Jason Cabenda, who was a very, very difficult out. And you return just three starters on defense. Yet Phil Steele said this, James Franklin's done a great job of recruiting, so I don't expect, expect much of a drop-off on defense, end quote. He didn't stutter. Don't expect much of a drop-off in defense when you return three starters and you lose your top six tacklers. Penn State is not Alabama yet. They are not Ohio State yet as it relates to talent. Now, as Dace pointed out earlier in a podcast this week, Penn State, their last recruiting class is one of the best recruiting classes that any Big Ten team has had in a long time. So they've got talent in the system. But I don't think they're at reload Alabama level talent to where you just say, um, I don't expect much of a drop off. I mean, 16.5 points per game last year is what they allowed. That's their best since at least 2010. Steele has the information going back to 11 and 16.5 points per game was the best through 2011. So maybe it's much farther back than that. Maybe you have to go back to 2009 or 2008. Not sure. They allowed just 118 yards rushing a game last year. I wouldn't say that that's elite, but that's on the high end of very good nationally. They had 42 sacks a year ago, and they lose eight starters, and you're here to tell me that there's not going to be much of a drop-off? I understand giving Alabama or Ohio State the benefit of that doubt. But right about, heck, maybe even Georgia with the way that they've recruited the last several years. But right about now, outside of that, I don't know that I can would be comfortable saying that about anyone. Prove it. Maybe Clemson. But go out and prove it. So we'll see. We'll see if, if Penn State can do that. Now, I don't like the environment setting up for Iowa. Iowa's won road games before. Nathan Stanley has now experienced one year as a starting quarterback, and he's been in some tough spots last year at Michigan State, at Nebraska. But, well, then again, Nebraska was, what, you know, half capacity that game last year, allegedly. But, and I, would I be surprised if Iowa won this game? No, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised at all. I'd be far more surprised if Iowa beat Wisconsin than if Iowa at home than if Iowa beat Penn State, this Penn State team on the road this year. But I'm going to pick Penn State to win the game. Obviously hoping that Iowa wins the game, but taking Penn State to win. So through eight games, I have Iowa with three losses, five and three, heading down the home stretch. 
Iowa's home stretch the next week after the Penn State game is at Purdue. And then home against Northwestern. Then at Illinois and home against Nebraska. Iowa sitting at 5-3. and three. If Iowa is 5-3 and three through eight games and they haven't been decimated by injuries, there will be some restless natives. There will be some Twitter agitations. There will be some irritated people because, well, Iowa should win nine or ten games this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. We'll talk more about that after at the conclusion of tomorrow's podcast when I go over the last four games of the season. But they're five and three. We'll see how things shake up in tomorrow's podcast. As always, appreciate you listening.